Amen, amen. Round of applause for the praise and worship team. And a great job. Thank you, team. Amen. We're going to turn to the word of God here. If you turn to the book of Exodus. Exodus, we're going to be reading chapter 8. Exodus. You know, as um, I look around... uh, church, there's a few things that, that, that bother me about the church. You know, one of the things is you can drive back. I mean, uh, even your drive back home or if you walk home, you're, you're likely to pass um, a historic building, which used to be where people met together and worshipped God. When you look all throughout the, the, the country, there'll be churches. Sometimes you see a church in every couple of blocks or a church in every couple of corners. Uh, not because they liked building just nice, majestic buildings just for the sake of it. Not because they liked spending money, but because they were needed. In other words, the places were packed um, and the communities needed to build their own church because it was packed and, and it was a great need. Uh, but now you see church buildings uh, 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 being empty. I was um, uh, uh, viewing a church building this afternoon um, and it was up for sale uh, because it was empty. And, um, and, you know, and um, it, it, it pains my heart because I'm thinking, one, you know, once upon a time, this place was a thriving community where people would come and worship God. So that bothers me. One thing that bothers me is the fact that uh, church buildings are having to sell off because there's no people in there to continue it going and it's starting to dwindle. That, that bothers me. The second thing that bothers me is that I see the churches that don't dwindle, they're working, but they don't match up to the Word of God. As in they're serving, there's people still there. Um, I mean, there's a, there's, a, there's a church right on the end of our road right here, just right on the corner. A massive building, wonderful church, been there for years. But when you look at how they function and what they believe and, how, and what they practice, and you pull out a Bible, it doesn't quite match up. It doesn't quite link. And I'm thinking, how does that happen? Because that annoys me also. How does that happen? How have we come to, uh, here is the word of God. Here is the, the new church birthed in Acts. The Holy Spirit came down and birthed the new church. And we're meant to carry on in this age as that church filled with the Holy Spirit. How do we get from there to where some of these churches are now? And, we, and, the, and what I've come to the conclusion is they got there because of compromise. And there's many things you could say, but one thing is clear is that sometimes a church, especially in this country, I know in other countries as well, but in this country, the church is compromised. And the definition of that is, you know, being compromised or, or compromising is an agreement to settle a dispute so that each side can say, okay, we're not going to do this, we're going to concede, we're going to have some concessions, we're going to settle for some things. Now, I want to look at, look at that tonight in a sermon I've entitled, Uncompromised. And I want to have a look at that out of the story of Moses in Exodus uh, chapter 8. We're going to be uncompromised today. Now, we understand uh, the story of Moses. Uh, you know, Moses was, uh, uh, he had the burning bush experience. He stood before God uh, and heard a mandate. God says, I want you to go to Egypt. I've heard my people's cry uh, and I want you to be the deliverer. I want you to go ahead uh, and uh, uh, rescue my people. Say to Pharaoh, I want my people out. Let my people go. Uh, and Moses, we know the story. Um, he reluctantly at first, but he went to go and do that. Uh, uh, and we understand that Pharaoh was, his heart 
was hardened and God had to send 10 plays, not just one or two. You thought he would learn after three or four. No, 10 plagues he had to go and send to Pharaoh in order for this to happen. And I want to look at that kind of uh, uh, response of Pharaoh in uh, being uncompromised and the response of Moses also. Because Pharaoh, Pharaoh is, and if you look through the Bible, Pharaoh is a picture of the devil. The Bible is full of, of pictures and types and characteristics, but Pharaoh here is a picture of the devil. Why? Because he wants to hold God's people in slavery. He wants to enslave God's people and keep them there. He wants to ensure that they don't progress. He wants to ensure that they don't get freedom. And how many know that's what the devil is trying to do in this day and age right now? Can you say amen in this place? So Pharaoh is a picture of the devil. And uh, we can say that whenever we see Pharaoh do something or his heart towards something, you can see that's a typology of what the devil is trying to do in this day and age right now. So we're going to read from Exodus chapter 8, verse 25, going to verse number 28. And the Bible says, Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, it is not right to do so, for we would be sacrificing uh, the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, then will they not stone us? We will go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God and he will, as he will command us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness only. You shall not go far away. Intercede for me. So here we have an exchange between Moses and Pharaoh. And we know that he said, listen, I want to take the people and we want to go. And Pharaoh here is trying to make a compromise. Moses said, listen, I'm going to go. We're going to go three days journey and worship to the Lord. And here we understand Pharaoh as a picture of the devil is trying to compromise. So the first point I want to look at is that there is a, a strategy from the devil trying to make you as men and women of God to compromise. And the reason he does that is because, listen, the devil understands. If you're under the sound of my voice, you're here in church, it's unlikely that he's going to uh, trap you or ensnare you to become a full-out devil worshipper. Come on, it's unlikely that you men and women under here, under the sound of my voice, are going to one day say, I'm going to worship Satan. Have all the makeup and the paraphernalia and all that nonsense. It's very, very unlikely Although there are some crazy people that have done that. Listen, on outreach, I've seen some craziness. I'm trying to speak to people and they make it a game. I worship Satan. They make it a game to say that to my face as if I'll be intimidated or something like that. I just have compassion on them. But it's unlikely for many people, for most people to go out there. So in other words, the devil can't just throw it out there and say, worship me like that. So what he does do is try and offer a strategy of compromise. In other words, you can do what you're doing but don't go too far into it. He wants to, or he wants you to make concessions. Now, concessions are a thing that is a, uh, is usually like it's like a discount. You know, if you go to a certain place, they say, "Oh, there's a concession stand," or "There's a concession." Well, that's to get discounts. That's to get something that's less than what it's originally meant for. So, to make concessions really means that you're willing to uh, lower your standards for a certain period, and it's a thing that is granted, especially in response to demands. So, the devil will make demands on you to make concessions. And you can serve God, but don't go all the way in. You can serve God, but don't go full in. You know, do this less. Attend church less. 
You know, hold back. Definitely don't give as much money. Times are hard. Listen, we're in a, 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 a credit crunch or a recession or whatever they're calling. Don't give as much money, right? So the devil will try and get you to make concessions. And the enemy does this not because he cares for you. He doesn't say don't give because he cares for your welfare. He doesn't say don't go to church because he cares you want to have some rest. No, he does this because he wants you to fail. That's the strategy. He wants you to fail in life. He wants you to be ineffective for God. He wants you not to stand for God's will. And most of all, he wants you to be a bad example for other people. Come on, how many people have heard the saying, oh, I thought you were a Christian? Aren't you supposed to be a Christian? Because if you can make concessions and people see that, well, now you're not just making a bad name for yourself. Now you're making a bad name for the entire Christianity. Because how many know people see one Christian do something? Listen, whenever you see a newspaper article and someone's done something bad and he happens to go to church maybe like once a year, right? They say, oh, devout Christian does this and does that, right? It's like... Couldn't you have identified him as something else? Or, you know, couldn't you just say, oh, uh, a builder does this? No, Christian man does this. Because they love to highlight the fact that, oh, you're meant to be Christian and you're doing this. So when the devil can uh, allow people to make concessions or compromise on their standards, uh, then we become a bad uh, campaign for other people. And what we need to do as believers, as men and women of God, we need to be alert because we have to be careful in anything we do, with any relationship we get into, with any job offer we are offered, we should question this saying, is this an attempt at me to compromise? You know, I believe one of the things we're going to experience when we go to heaven is that when we go there, we step across, we make it into heaven, we look back and we can see our lives, we're going to be uh, astonished or amazed at just how many things were spiritual. Just how many things that came our way, decisions that came our way, uh, uh, opportunities that came our way, we're going to be shocked at how many of those were spiritual. And not just, oh, it's just a physical thing, or it's just this, or that. No, 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 it's a spiritual attack or a spiritual attempt at you to compromise. Hey, listen, job offers can get you to compromise. Can you say amen in this place? You'd be praying for, you'd be praying for a job for years. God, give me a job. God, give me a job. And the thing is, when you get a job, you think it's a blessing from God, but no, that came straight from hell. Because it means, okay, yes, you can work this, but you've got to work every Sunday, work every Wednesday. Don't think about going to church. You're too busy now. Reading your Bible, don't worry about that stuff. You're busy now. We need you to get in early and leave late. Your family time, forget your family time. Marriage, forget that. You need to work, make money, get upside the ladder and stuff. So some job opportunities, dare I say, are not always a blessing from God. Some chances are a spiritual attack to get you to compromise. Sometimes we look at relationships and we say, thank God. He is right for me. Thank God she is right for me. Come on, that one's easy. We don't have to, we know, we listen, we understand. Sometimes she may look good, but she's covering that, that tail she's got. She's covering the pitchfork she walks out with. Come on, she's covering. Because sometimes some relationships are there to pull you away. 
Some relationships are there to get you to compromise things that you've held so dearly. Listen, before you said, listen, I will never do this. I will never go here. I'll never do this. But now the right relationship comes and it's like, okay, maybe I can just, maybe I can just compromise just a little bit. Sacrifice just a little bit. He said he loved me. <laughs> Come on now. He said, this is, you know, all these things before where you grew up, you said, no, I would never do that. There's a book, um, I believe some of the guys in church are reading the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Uh, great book. It's, it's a fictional book, but it, he's written it in such a way uh, that um, you've got a, a senior demon writing letters to a more junior demon. And the way he formats the letters is, is all around the tasks and tactics of how to get Christians to stumble or compromise or certain tactics that are used. And it's, it's a great book. If you, if you haven't got it, you know, it's, a good, it's a good reader. Uh, it gives you an insight. Like I said, it is fictional, but it, it gives you an insight because the truths they use is that the enemy is using all of different things and using many different things to try and get us to compromise. And I want to look at three areas of compromise from our text we're going to read. So the first one, look, if you look in verse number 25 of our text, chapter 8, Bible says, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God. Where? In the land. In this land. So the first area of compromise I want to speak about is distance. You see, Pharaoh wanted them to stay close to their old life. Come on now. Pharaoh and aka the devil wanted uh, the children of Israel to stay close to their bondage, stay close to their slavery, stay close. And the thing is, the closer you are to your old life, the easier it is to just slip straight back into it. Come on now. Listen, when I got saved, I had to make some decisions about my life. I had to put some distance between my old life and now my new life. Because if I didn't put distance between certain friends or certain things or certain locations, listen, it would be so easy for me just to just slip straight back in there. We had to put distance. I mean, I got saved, me and my friends, we got uh, saved together. We had to put distance from some of the things we used to do. Because some of the things we used to do in the university times was messed up. Can you say, some of you going to uni, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of the things we used to do um, was not good. So there's certain friends we had to cut off. Certain locations, we didn't find ourselves going anymore. Certain entertainment, we couldn't indulge in anymore. Because the closer you are to your old life, the easier it is for just to come in. So Pharaoh is saying, all right, fine, go and sacrifice. Go and do your church thing. But do it in this land. Do it in Egypt where I've got you bondage. Do it in Egypt where you are a slave and I've got control over you. Go and sing your songs every Sunday, but come back right here. Go, yeah, you can go, go to that praise party, but you're coming back right here to my house. Pharaoh, in essence, was saying, don't get carried away. Don't become a fanatic. If you move, your whole life would change. Don't change your whole life. Just change a little part of it. Just change a little aspect. Go and worship, but don't change too much of your life. And the problem is when you don't fully surrender or submit to God and allow him to change everything in your life, then you are still a God of your own life. If you don't allow God to change your life, then you are still the boss. Then you are the God. How many know we ain't very good gods? Can you say amen in this place? We have to understand the distance is necessary. We need to create distance between our old and the new. 
We can't be right by, side by side. Listen, what fellowship does light have with darkness? I'm not going to stay in the same mess that I was in. If I'm saved from the miry clay, I need to come out and be set on the firm foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Can you say amen in this place? You won't find me in the same uh, bondage. You won't find me in the same pit or the same slavery. There has to be some distance And the thing is I've seen nowadays, I don't know if you're noticing it now, the cool thing is, is that Christians and ministers, pastors, leaders of churches, uh, they don't look any different from the world. That's the cool thing. I don't know if you've noticed it. It's cool to do that. It's cool. Listen, you wear ripped jeans, I wear ripped jeans. Come on now. It's cool to do that. You go to the pub and drink after work, I'll come with you to the pub and drink after work. It's cool. We're the same. You can look at us the same and, and they use the scripture out of context. They say, Paul said, listen, I become all things to all men. What? But Paul said that so I can win some. Not because so I can be like them and we're just all in the same mess together. No, we need to have some distance. There has to be some distance. I always think of it as like a lifeboat. If I'm on the boat, I need to be on the boat on a higher ground so that I can lift you up to here. Not so I can come down into the mess and drown as well. There has to be some distance. First compromise is distance. The second compromise, I, think, I find it very interesting. It's, it's in a different chapter. We didn't read it, but it's family. Look at Exodus chapter 10. We're going to read from verse number 8. And again, so Moses and Aaron were brought, sorry, were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go serve the Lord your God. Who, uh, who are the ones that are going? And Moses said, We will go with our young and our old, our sons and our daughters, with our flocks, our herds, will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. Verse number 10, then he said to them, the Lord had better be with you if I let you and your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. Not so, he says, go now, you who are men. Serve the Lord, for that is what you desire. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. So here he says, okay, fine. You're going to leave my land, okay, fine. But when you go, just men. Leave your wife and children with me. Just you guys go. See, God intends us, when we serve God, He intends us to serve with our entire family. How many of us that that's true right here? He wants the whole family to serve, but the devil doesn't want, and especially kids, he doesn't want our, kill, our children, the next generation, to serve God. Uh, I was on outreach one time, and I was speaking to people, and I spoke to this particular person, and he was a teacher. Um, and he was telling me, he said, we shouldn't really force our religion onto our kids. We should allow them to, to choose and make their own decisions. I said, bro, I love my kids too much to see them make some nonsense decisions. So I am going to say like what Joshua said. Can you say amen? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Can you say amen right now? I'm not going to let my kids, hey, you go do what you're going to do. I'll serve the God. You do what you're going to do. No, we are going to go serve the Lord. So I said, contrary, Mr. Teacher, because if if I don't force my religion on them, you're going to force your religion on them. Don't act like I'm the one that's the evil one. Can you say amen in this place? What they're doing in schools today, it boggles my mind. I send my children, I have four beautiful kids, I send them to school to go and learn math, science, English, geography, maybe learn a little different language. I don't send them there to learn about sex education. I don't send them there to say, listen, it's okay if a, if a daddy has another daddy, a daddy and a daddy have children. I don't send them there for you to tell them that nonsense. Teach them maths and English as I'm pulling them out. I remember... 
Keisha was telling, my, my wife was telling me about, uh, uh, um, there's a court case going on where a, a mother is taking a, um, a school to court because they wanted her four-year-old uh, son or daughter, I believe, four-year-old son to join in a, a gay parade uh, march. And she said, oh, you're doing a gay parade march? She said, oh, okay, my son's not going to be doing that. And the teacher, the head teacher, not just the, the teacher, the head teacher, so he must join. He must join this gay parade. Gay parade. And, he's, and the mother said, no, he is not joining. If you want to go on your march, you go on your march. My son is not joining. And then they had the audacity to say, if he does not join, he must be expelled from the school. What kind of a sick agenda is going on here? What, what about, they talk about tolerance. What about tolerance for me? What if I don't want to go? What if I don't want to? And, 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 and they literally took, I took her to court. I didn't follow the story because I was so angry. I don't know how it's turned out. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure how it's turned out. But she had to take them to court to say, I'm, you're, you're forced. Listen, this is what the devil is trying to do. Listen, you can do what you're doing, but I want your kids. That's what Pharaoh is saying. You go serve, but don't take your wife and children with you. I want your kids. And this, you know, is, is a, it's a strategy of hell. And sometimes what they try and tell you is that your kids are going to miss out. If you bring your kids to church and stuff, you force them, they're going to miss out. They're going to miss out on what their friends are doing. Gonna, it's going to harm their thing. I remember someone used to tell us, listen, you shouldn't bring your kids to the evening services of church because it will harm their education. It's gonna, they're going to uh, go to bed late and they're not going to be able to serve. Listen, I bring my kids, uh, praise God, my kids at my, uh, my, my parents right now, but I take my kids to every service with me. They're here in the morning service. They're here in the evening service. They're doing just fine in school. Can you say amen in this place? My pastor's got four kids. He did exactly the same thing. They have smashed their A-levels, smashed their university degrees. They're top students. They went to every evening service. So the contrary is actually they will hear something that will change their life. They will hear something that will make them great society members. They will hear something that will make them great men and women of God that will end up protecting this society instead of bringing it down. And the thing is, when people hear that kind of nonsense, they give in and they compromise with their children. They're saying, don't force your children. And I've seen parents, they compromise with their children, allowing them to have girlfriends and boyfriends and so on that aren't saved. Come on, not in my house. Joshua said, that's for me and my house. If you're not going to do that nonsense, you go find your own house. But if you live under my house, we will serve the Lord. Can you say amen in this place? No compromise. The first compromise was in distance. The second compromise was in family. And look at this. This one's interesting. The third compromise here is in money. Look at Exodus 10, verse number 24. Again, then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, All right, fine. Go serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let the little ones also go with you. Okay, take your wives and your kids. Fine. But leave your flocks and your herds back with me. Now, right now, that doesn't really have that much uh, um, uh, meaning to us because it's like, well, I don't even have any flocks. Or I've never seen, a, some people have never even seen a live cow in their life, right? So they don't really have that, that influence some here. Uh, I remember asking my kids when they were young, uh, where does chicken come from? They said Sainsbury's. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's the, that's the view we have, uh, all right? But back in these days, Listen, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, there wasn't cash per se. It wasn't like cash, uh, cash machines, you can go pull out cash. So your wealth really was in your livestock. 
You used to take your livestock and trade with it. You can barter with it. Yes, you used to eat it as well, but really it was there like a trading. You know, they would, they would trade things for, for livestock. So it represented their wealth. It represented their finance. Their, uh, and, and that's why we can link it to the compromise in money. It represents that. And Pharaoh wanted control over their livestock because if you can't have control over their money, because we understand that Jesus said, listen, where your treasure is, what? Your heart would be also. So if you go wherever you're going, but all your treasures back there, one day you'll be like, you know what, I need to go back. <laughs> all my investments are there. Come on. My heart is there because that's where all my treasure is. So the devil will try and tempt you to compromise where you put your money. He wants to be able to have control over your finances because if he can do that, then literally he has your heart. If they left their animals, wherever they went, their mind would have been back there. Mm. I wonder how my cows are doing. Hmm? Come on. i just seen that, that lamb that just gave birth. I wonder if they're all right. Their head will always be back there. And he doesn't want to give you, he doesn't want you to give you free reign over your money because they wanted to take the herd so they can worship God with the sacrifices. Because we know we sa- they wanted to sacrifice. Well, what are you going to sacrifice? The herd. They wanted to honor God with their money. So the devil was saying, listen, don't use your money to honor God. Don't give into the offering. <laughs> don't get, and definitely don't give tithes. Tithes, 10%. Don't, don't do none of that. Keep it. Keep it over here and keep it over here. He wants to dominate your money because if he can dominate your money, then he dominates your heart. And all of a sudden, the job you take, the hours you work, the obsession with possessions, they become the be-all and end-all of life. If the devil determines your money in any way, then he rules your life. The Bible says, or Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, that no one can serve two masters. For evil who hate the one and love the other, or else he would be loyal to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. So if the devil can elevate your finances up here, there's no way God is going to have your attention. That's a compromise. And now we're living a life substandard to how God wants us to live. Now we've made compromise and the decisions we make are not based on the will of God anymore. The decisions are made based on the economy, based on the job, based on the, well, how can, can the pound support me? Based on all sorts of things. Now we're not radical to say, yep, send me, I'll go. Or yes, I'm planting myself right here because of what God did. You know, I think one of the things that liberated me from this was when I got saved and I made a conscious decision. I said it, I said, God, because I didn't want to go to Derby. You know my story. I went to Derby for university and got saved in university in Derby. I said, God, I am not leaving this city. The only way I'm leaving this city is if you tell me to go. I plant myself right here. People are telling me, listen, there's better jobs down south. Yes, I know that's true, but God has put me here for a reason. I said, you can, you can go and do that. I said, yes, I know that's true, but God has laid me here for a reason. And in the process of time, I started getting promotions and I started getting jobs with London wages in Derby. Can you say amen in this place? Because, and I really do believe that is linked to me making a decision to saying, God, you've placed me here for a reason. I'm not leaving until you tell me to leave. Just so had it, he told me to leave last year. Amen. <laughs> told me to come up here to Hull. Amen. Now I've made another decision. Come on now. I'm not leaving this city of Hull until God, you tell me, I need to go nowhere. Right here, I'm planting myself here. Me and my wife were talking about decisions saying, we need to sell up everything and plant ourselves right here in this city because God has put me here for a reason. 
I make my decisions not based on what the money is saying, but what God is saying. I will look finally with you at resisting compromise. You see, because Moses was a man of God, he resisted compromise every single time. He resisted compromise. He insisted on on obeying God and pleasing God regardless of what anyone said. So with the distance issue, you know, Pharaoh tried to make a, a, a demand and say, okay, go, but only go and serve and worship God in this land. And this is what Moses said in verse number 26. And Moses said, it is not right to do so. For we will be sacrificing the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. If we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? He says, we will go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he will command us. Now, I picked up the three days journey there because there is a New Testament link here. We understand that the Old Testament is just the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. We understand that. So when you're reading the Old Testament, I know some people get scared out because all the genealogies and all this stuff and the Levitical laws and stuff, they kind of just skip over that stuff. No, spend some time in there also because it links. It's a foreshadow of what's going to happen. So here we say, Moses said, I'm going to go three days journey. Well, what's the significance there? If we go to the New Testament now, we understand that when Jesus was hung up to die, we understand that he died and three days later, he became new. He raised up from the dead. And we have a baptism now that we follow, that the baptism follows. We're dying and raising just as Christ raised up. So three days is a signifi- uh, signifies complete new life, resurrected life, a new life that comes. The old has passed away. All things have become new. Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. The three days journey was saying, listen, I want to die to that old life of slavery, of sin. I want to die to that and become new. I want to put distance between my old life and a new life. He was talking about, I'm living a new life, Pharaoh. I'm not being the same old slave. That wasn't a compromise. He resisted to family. He said this in Exodus 10 and verse number 9. And Moses said, we will go with our young and our old, our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds, we will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. Here is a man that is not afraid to turn away from what society says. He says, no, I'm taking my sons and my daughters with me. He understands that the next generation need to understand that we worship God. All throughout the Old Testament, they're telling them, listen, say this when you sit around the dinner table. Tell them what happened when they passed through. Tell them what happened so they can understand, so they will tell their kids and they will tell their kids. Involve children in whatever we do. I make it a point to involve our kids as much as we can in whatever we do. If you come around my house, listen, my kids are going to be there. Sorry, God bless you. If you don't like kids, don't come around to my house. Amen. My kids are going to be there. I want them to be involved in what we do. I want my kids to be involved in outreach. You can't send them out in outreach. No, it's healthy. It's healthy for them to share the gospel and and speak to people, get excited about people changed by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's healthy for them to see that. I'm the, I'm the one that says we shouldn't really shelter our kids from everything. And I think we should see certain, they should see certain things. They should be able to see the depravity of what sin does to people. I want my kids to see, look, this is what sin does. And I want them also to see, look, this is what the blood of Jesus does. 
all my sons and my daughters to come with me. The last one in money, he says here in Exodus 10, in verse number 26, he says, our, last, our livestock also shall go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind. In other words, not one penny of my money is going to be left where my heart will be somewhere else. I'm going to take my money. If I go into the kingdom of God, I'm taking my money into the kingdom of God with me. And this is true personally. We shouldn't lower our standards anywhere. This is true in our families. We should fight for our whole families. And this is true in our church. We should not be compromised in whatever we do. You know, as, as I stand here uh, in this position that God has placed us in, there's going to come times where people are going to put pressure on me to compromise. People are going to put pressure on us to compromise. They're already saying that, uh, you know, uh, we should allow same-sex marriages in, in our churches. Uh, and, and it's going to be, they're going to put pressure, financial pressure they'll put. You know, if you do this, you'll, you'll have access to this grant. If you don't do this, you don't have access to it. Well, my answer is, my God has more money than the council. Can you say amen in this place? So I'm not going to compromise. Come on now. There's going to come time where you are going to be pressurized to be compromised. They're going to compromise or try and compromise your beliefs, trying to get you to do things that are not aligned up with the will of God. And what we need in this day and age is men and women that will stand up regardless of who is trying to pressure them to say, no, I don't stand for that. I stand for God alone. I stand, yes, sir, you stand for king and country. I stand for the king of kings. And if they don't align, listen, I'm sorry, I stand with the king of kings. Can you say amen in this place, sir? I really, really hope, uh, Charles, listen, his coronation is coming at some point in May, I think. I really, really do hope uh, he will follow after this footsteps, footsteps of his mother and just keep this a Christian country. I really do pray and hope uh, that that happens. But even if he doesn't, uh, listen, if he starts making some weird and funky laws, uh, listen, you best believe I'm going to stand by God uh, and we're going to stand and that should be our prayer for his church in this place, uh, that we're not going to live a life that is compromised. We're going to stand up. Uh, this should be a church that should be lying up with the Bible. If it's in the Bible, that's what we practice. If it's not, we're not going to do it. Can you say amen in this place? As long as we're here, we should stand up for what is right and we should be uncompromised. Can you say amen in this place? Let's give God praise in this place. Uncompromised. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes in this place. Uncompromised. Unadulterated. Unaffected by society that's around us the church of God should always be the one that should influence rather than being influenced many times Jesus has likened the kingdom of God to certain things but one of the things he likens the kingdom of God to is salt you can put just a tiny bit of salt in anything and you'll be able to taste that that should be the, like, the church of God. You put a small little church in, in any uh, society and they should have impact. The kingdom of God, we should be like that. We should be like a, the small mustard seed. Yeah, but then it grows into the largest tree. And we can be like that as long as we are uncompromised. The, the, the minute we begin to be compromised, we lose our strength. The minute we become uh, mixed in with other things, we lose the ability to impact how the church should impact. 
I really do believe, and I, I, I'm going to keep on saying this, and this is why we're fasting for the month of February. I really do believe that we are about to see God move supernaturally. There's going to be impact where people are going to be convicted of sin. This place is going to be packed out. People wanting to experience the power of God. And that is going to be our portion. That's going to be our testimony as long as we do not compromise. As long as we stand firm to what is true in our households, in our marriages, in, 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 our, in our work dealings. Listen, there shouldn't be anything work can get you to do that will compromise your beliefs. And if it does, leave. The moment you start to compromise just to please a boss, well then you have your reward. But if you stand to say, listen, I can't do that. Like Joseph said, how can I do this thing and sin against God? His master's wife tried to get him to compromise. Just lie with me, she said. And he said, how can I sin against God? That should be our stance. Uncompromised. Maybe you're in this place under the sound of my voice. I won't hold it too long, but you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, but you want to. You want to give your life to Jesus Christ. You want to have a, 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 an encounter with Christ. You want to be born again to enter into the kingdom of heaven. If that's you and you've not done that before, listen, just raise your hand and the sound of my voice. I can't have a privilege to pray with you here. Maybe you're backsliding. Slip that hand up. You want to come back to Christ. Slip the hand up as a sign, to signify to me and we'll pray with you. That's all we're going to do. Pray with you. Lead you in a sinner's prayer. If that's you, you want Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Slip that hand up. Amen. Speaking to Christians in this place, unfortunately, there's going to be many opportunities where the devil will try and get you to be compromised. And the devil will try and get you to compromise what you so strongly held dearly. There's going to be many opportunities and relationships and chances where someone or something is trying to get you to compromise. Your job is to stand up like Moses and said, no, I'm not going to compromise. No, I'm not going to give a concession. No, we're not going to come to an agreement. We're going to serve God. We're going to seek to please God. And everywhere that we are, in our work dealings, in our family life, in our schooling, in our decisions, whatever we do, we need to be uncompromised. So church, I want us to pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can serve, we can work, we can worship uncompromised and stand strong, our head held high, knowing that we're going to serve God, come what may. Let's pray, let's ask God to give us the strength in this day and age especially as evil tries to abound, as sin tries to abound. Let's stand strong on the promises of God and let's be uncompromised. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you, to strengthen you in all that you do. Let's spend some time praying as we sing this song. Father, we thank you, Lord God. We bless your name, God. We thank you, Father God. We stand, oh God, today uncompromised, oh Father God. Lord, we stand today, oh Father God, not making concessions, God. We stand today, Father in heaven, not wanting, oh Father God, to turn to the left or to the right, but to continue on serving you, God. Father God, we're not going to turn, oh Father God, to the pleasure of this world. God, as we go, help us, God. Help us to stay uncompromised. 
not to dilute the truth, oh Father God. Through oh, bless your name, Jesus. Oh, glorify your name, oh Father. No turning back. I've
Jesus, God, we bless your name, Lord God. Father God, we make a commitment, Father God, to follow hard after you, Lord God, not to sway to the left or to the right, God, in these last days where there's going to be things that are trying to cause us to stumble. God, we will follow hard after you, Lord God. We won't turn back, God. We make a decision, God, to serve you, to live for you, uncompromised, God. Father, we make a decision, God, to look toward you, regardless of what society is doing around us God we stand strong we stand firm God on your word we take it to heart God we meditate on your word God we live our lives by your word oh Father God Lord and as we do this God have your hand of protection upon us God guide us Father God provide for us direct us God order our footsteps direct our paths God we pray in the name of Jesus Christ we stand firm for you Father God as men and women of God uncompromised and we pray all these things knowing God one day we're going to see your face one day we're going to step across and you're going to say well done well done good and faithful servant on that day our joy will be fulfilled on that day our joy will be fulfilled and the uncompromised life will be worth it. Father, we're just praying, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, give us the strength each and every day to live for you uncompromised. We pray this in the precious, mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we all said, uh, come on, we all shouted, uh, amen, amen. God bless you, amen. Uncom-